0: Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish. Trish, we have a great show today. We are going to be talking about inclusivity in the workplace, specifically around folks with intellectual disabilities. We are, we are going to introduce one of our guests who's actually from the Special Olympics, which is super exciting, Trish. So here's the question of the day. Trish, oh what is your favorite Olympic sport?
1: I love watching skiing.
0: Oh, okay. Winter, go winter games. I'm
1: going to go winter games. I do. It's just something I think because I'm not good at skiing that when I watch other people do it, I appreciate it that much more. I also really like archery, maybe for the same reason. I'm not good at that, so
0: maybe maybe it's for the hats. They have really excellent hats in archery. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Good answer. I like exactly.
1: it. How about you? What are you, what is your I'm going
0: favorite winter games as well? And it's a little bandwagon ask, but I got okay. totally hooked the last couple of Olympics on curling. I find it super relaxing to watch. I enjoy yes. the teams from the different countries yell at each other in their language. I don't really know what they're saying, but it's kind of cool sweep or whatever they're yelling and they yell really loud. I like that. Cool. I don't know. I, I dig it. Because it's good. always well, one of those sports where, like, I fall into that trap of thinking, oh, I could probably do that. And there's no way I could, right? But that one looks no. <laughs> reasonably unathletic enough <laughs> for me that maybe I could do it. Like, there's no way I'm going to beat Michael Phelps in the pool, right?
1: <laughs> but uh, That's true. I could push true. a rock
0: down the ice, I think, a little bit.
1: Oh, goodness. All right. We're going to talk uh,
0: about actually something much more serious than that, the, the Special Olympics and a really cool partnership that they have with our friends at Skillsoft. First, Trish, I want to thank our sponsors uh, for today. Uh, First off, WorkHuman, our friends there have been with us all year. This episode of the HR Happy Hour is made possible by WorkHuman. The world is watching and the leaders of today and tomorrow. Modern employees want a workplace where they're respected, seen, appreciated, and heard, and they are demanding it. And employees have the right to a human workplace, and you have the power to create one. Thriving organizations like Cisco, Merck, and LinkedIn have realized the immense benefits of putting the human at the center of work. Get your copy of the book, Making Work Human on Amazon today.
1: Paychecks, I know, we're so so, uh, happy to work with them. They are one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. And with the onset of COVID, they quickly responded to support businesses and help them manage all the new challenges uh, that were brought on by the pandemic. The Paychecks COVID-19 Help Center is the ultimate comprehensive resource hub featuring articles, videos, scenario tools, live webinars, and podcasts that provide valuable up-to-the-date insight on stimulus measures, managing a remote or hybrid workforce, travel restrictions, state-specific guidance, and more. I know you and I personally have used their uh, resource as well and would recommend that highly. So to access the free information, go to payx.me. Slash help center today.
0: Yes, we'll put that link in the show notes as well. So uh, thanks to the, our friends at uh, Paychex and Work Human. All right, Trish, let's welcome our guests uh, officially. Uh, we have two guests with us today. First, we have Dennis Doolin. He's the chief of organizational excellence at the Special Olympics. Dennis oversees strategic planning, project management, operational excellence, and leadership development, including the Special Olympics Leadership Academy, the Athlete Leadership Program, and Unified Leadership, which is Special Olympics pioneering approach to achieving inclusive leadership practices. That sounds pretty cool. We also have Mark Onis with us today. He's the Chief Content Officer at Skillsoft. He's responsible for leading all aspects of the strategic direction, roadmap, and development of Skillsoft's content catalog. Prior to his role as chief content officer, Mark was the SVP of Skillsoft Books, successfully launching the company's book summary product and increasing the company's audiobook collection by more than 60%, making it the largest collection of audiobooks within the corporate learning market. Okay, let's welcome Mark and Dennis to the HR Happy Hour Show. Gentlemen, how are
2: you today? Really good. Thank you very much, Steve. Appreciate the introduction and great to join you today.
0: Great. And for our listeners on the audio, that was Dennis. I probably should have like had
2: you <laughs> <to> say <laughs> hi <laughs> individually.
0: <laughs> Dennis yeah. has got the, Dennis, uh, help me identify the accent, which I'm terrible uh, at.
2: That's my Irish accent. All right. No disguising so. it. So I
0: I at least you know me you. as we go through this. <laughs> I didn't want to offend you and in guess incorrectly. And Mark, say hi as well. Mark from Skillsoft.
3: Hey Steve, it's Mark Onis. I'm from Skillsoft. You content officer. Glad to be here. My my accent is actually Western New York based. I live here in Rochester, New York. Whoa! Um, stop and, the
0: clock, Mark. I lived in Rochester for two decades until I escaped. <laughs> so wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> We've got that in common. How's the snow uh, treating you this winter?
3: Uh, yeah, well, it's uh, it's a good day to be working from the home office today, right? We we got quite a bit of lake effect. Um, All right, we'll night. we'll have so, to take.
0: We'll have to take Western New York snow stories offline, Mark, because we could go for days on it. And I'm sure we'll bore the audience. Yeah.
1: So. You can save that for your other pad, <laughs> your other podcast, right? <laughs>
0: I will. Uh, <laughs> all right. Great. Well, gentlemen, welcome. Feel free to, by the way, to weigh in on the question of the day of, of your favorite Olympic sport. And then uh, after that, um, maybe throw it to you, Dennis, to maybe tell us a little bit about the Special Olympics and Skillsoft partnership, which is kind of interesting and I think kind of unique in our space, at least to my knowledge.
2: Sure. Yeah, look, I'll weigh in on the question of the day, because I'll forget to do it otherwise. So I'm a sucker for the 100 meters, men and women's love, love it. Just love the the huge build up to it and the excitement and just so much depending on 10 seconds, you know, 10 seconds of time. It's just a phenomenal thing. Yeah, that is really exciting. People to train for four years for 10 seconds. Can you you imagine? that, That kind of blows the mind, really. Uh, And in winter sports, it has to be the ski jump. I just love the craziness of it, you know, of how high and how far they go. So to answer your question, uh, we started our partnership about five years ago, actually. And um, it was a it was an interesting beginning. We just uh, I pretty much cold called and uh, Skillsoft has an office (laughs) in Dublin and just managed to get an introduction to someone there to go and say hi and say what we were trying to achieve in Special Olympics, which was to set up our first ever global leadership academy which we then did and the idea was to provide training to special olympics leaders all over the world because maybe a lot of your listeners might realize but special olympics is actually active in 194 countries so it's pretty pretty global organization and many of those leaders just never really had much opportunity to develop their leadership skills let's say in a professional setting like a lot of like like would happen in a corporate environment so we decided to close that gap and as part of that we didn't have a big budget to throw at it so we said let's go and try and find like-minded companies who who want to be supportive and make a difference and skillsoft stepped up straight away we did a license agreement within a very short period of time and the relationship has grown ever since, so maybe that's a good chance to bring in Mark to add some of, of what's happened beyond that uh, basic access, let's say, to the Skillsoft Precipio platform, which our leaders enjoy all over the world.
3: Yeah, no, that, that's great, Dennis, and and we've continued to kind of build upon that, that partnership. I, I think as most folks know we do um, you know, feature all sorts of different author-driven, author events, expert insight videos. And we were able to partner with Special Olympics to create uh, a very a very com- compelling series of leadership insights, which feature uh, the athlete coaches and different uh, experts from the Special Olympics network and really how to work uh, and, and create a culture of inclusivity around those with intellectual disabilities. So. It's a really exciting project that we 're thrilled to sponsor and uh, and and support with special olympics and, and the goal is to make that content freely accessible um, through our our YouTube uh, channel and other social platforms just to give people that basic uh, knowledge and uh, and help organizations become more effective
0: Great, thank you uh, Dennis and Mark. Uh, uh, Mark, any weighing in on the favorite Olympic sport? <laughs> oh, we forgot.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, I guess Winter Olympics it would probably be hockey. Summer Olympics would be basketball. I guess right. you know, just, just if I was to. But I, I've always. I think 100 meter sprint. You know, that's a, that's a very, very compelling event as well. Uh, pole vaulting. I always just kind of interesting. <laughs> pretty amazing. You watch people vault themselves under their own power, 25 feet in the air. That's pretty amazing. But uh, but yeah, those would be kind of my initial, my initial ones nice nice
0: guys i want to talk a little bit about i just mentioned at the top or maybe in the pre-show now i'm losing it a little bit but we've done a lot of shows in the last year year and a half two years around um inclusivity more broadly right we've done things around visually impaired folks in the workplace deaf and hard hearing folks in the workplace folks on the autism spectrum uh in the workplace as well and that that bleeds in a little bit to some of the the folks you you work with at the special olympics but uh Uh, I'd love for you to talk about, but we don't, I don't think maybe we've talked about any data or real, like real kind of hard data uh, around this uh, much. So I know that uh, Skillsoft uh, in partnership the Special Olympics has published the intellectual disabilities in the workplace DEI survey fairly recently or earlier in 2020. I'd love maybe to talk about that a little bit maybe what was kind of the impetus behind let's say let's actually get some data around what people are actually saying thinking and doing around these issues and then maybe get into some of what we found out by uh, running this uh, running this survey.
2: Sure maybe Mark I can kick it off if you want to come in afterwards then. So uh, yeah, look, first of all, uh, well done to the two of you, Trish and Steve, for having so many different uh, features on this topic. That's, that's really impressive, and I wouldn't say it's that common, so, mm. so credit to you for, for taking that approach. And yeah, look, uh, likewise, Skillsoft has, has helped us to draw attention to a population that's often forgotten about when we think about the workplace, uh, there's some fantastic and really necessary work, let me be very clear, on um, things like gender, race, age, you know, a, a whole gamut of, of needs that exist to make our workplaces really inclusive and fully inclusive. But unfortunately, intellectual disability can often be a bit down the radar. So, we're, you know, this was a great opportunity to just go out and ask that question and say, you know, what is it that people are thinking right now and what we discovered is that there's a lot of openness to including people with intellectual disability i think you know um, you know people were generally quite favorable in the data we got back but they did i think we had about maybe 55% of the respondents felt that they couldn't say hand on heart that their policy or their practices includes people with intellectual disability so I guess there was an acknowledgement that while the intentions were good, they couldn't say for certain whether they were really following through them on them with uh, with our audience, uh, and and you know that's from a lot of organisations who were generally very happy. I think eighty eight percent of the respondents said they were generally pretty happy with their policy to begin with, and then it was when we explored it a bit further, maybe the realization of that potential gap came into play, and it's it's something we want to. Investigate a little bit further, and perhaps maybe this is a good point to, to hand over to Mark to talk about that.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that's that. Those are really good points, Dennis. And I, I think some of the other data that came out of the report is that you know, um, you know, ninety three percent of respondents believe that becoming you know a more inclusive organization would will help their culture. Right. I mean, I I think there was almost universal agreement to that. Um, but you know, they they were they they weren't sure or hadn't fully thought about how that policy should be further augmented or changed, um, you know, to, to actually accommodate those of intellectual disabilities and, and how they should even think about that. So it just became very clear as we looked at the data and the surveys universally people felt that DEI initiatives and DEI policies were a very good thing to help strengthen culture. But when you start to double click on it and you start to actually unpack, you know, what are the certain, certain uh, natures and the certain elements of inclusivity, it was pretty clear that that people hadn't really fully thought about um, those with intellectual disabilities being kind of included in that policy. Having said that, people were certainly open to the idea, but it was more about how do you unpack that knowledge? How do you actually um, start to think about those things, which is a lot of the driver behind some of the um, the, the content and the, the curriculums that we, that we started to put together and build around this. Um, and, and Dennis, maybe I'll ask you to just talk about what people see as some of the barriers to to kind of in, you know in, in increasing inclusivity around those with intellectual disabilities.
2: Yeah, sure. That's probably the last kind of main piece of data that's worth you know going into a little bit for you, which is uh yeah, well, one really encouraging 29% of the respondents actually had no concerns about hiring or including someone with an intellectual disability in their workplace, which is to be very honest, higher than I thought, because I think it's natural to have concerns, you know, and to, and to have, um, you know, maybe fears is too strong a word, but just to be unsure about how do you do it and how can you make changes. And, and we like to emphasize a lot that a lot of the changes that can be made, which I'm sure we'll come on to, they can apply really to inclusion of any group. This isn't only about intellectual disability, but it is the audience we, we focus specifically on. Um, 20% said they were concerned about support, you know, what kind of support would you need to, would you need to provide if someone was joining your your team. Um, 13% were actually concerned about acceptance, which again, like I say, is natural, you know, like if if you've never encountered someone with intellectual disabilities in in your life, and the same would apply to any other, uh, maybe more minority group. You're going to be a little bit worried about you know how how will they be accepted or what can you do to accept someone uh and then you know seven uh, percent which is quite low like i say lower than i expected uh, said they were concerned about you know finding the right or appropriate tasks or roles and we do get asked about that sometime and and our answer is really really simple it's no different to the rest of the workforce everybody's different some things are going to suit one person over another uh, and that really isn't any different for someone with an intellectual disability. So we don't actually, you know, send off a list of, hey, these are great roles for a person with intellectual disability, because you just don't know till you get to know the person and their skills.
1: Yeah, I think those are all really great points. And um, I, you know, I've had, have people. Uh, I have a cousin who was, um, you know, intellectually disabled, and it's interesting to me too. I when we when you talk about the support, you said twenty percent were concerned about, you know, the support around that. It's interesting to me as a former HR professional, we always focus more on the person with the um, you know, with the deficiency, right? And that's, to me, it's almost backwards. It should be, how can the rest of us be trained and supported to include people, right? And so I think that's maybe the difference I'm kind of picking up on, on the work that you two are doing in partnership is that you're kind of flipping the script a little bit, right? So 20 years ago, I might've like, I can recall having people both physically uh, and mentally disabled who were joining, um, I was in Big Four Public Accounting and we were very open to having them, but there was no training for those of us who were doing the bringing in, right? We had to kind of wing it. And I think even if you look at people in your family or friends of you know the years that you might know, um, first of all, sometimes you don't know someone has a mental uh, disability, an intellectual disability, right? Um, they can cover it sometimes you just don't know. And also, even if you do know, sometimes you're the one with the problem in figuring out how to communicate with them. It's not it's not their problem, that's just reality, right? So I would just say, if you're a, if you're a listener, challenge yourself a little bit to, to think about it kind of almost backwards from what we've been doing. Um, and I think that's what your data supports. Are you finding, uh, this is for either of you, are you finding that when you talk with organizations and the HR leaders and the other leaders, are they trying to sort of flip the script like that now and think about it how they can support?
3: Yeah, I think that's a consistent theme that we've seen both in the research and just in some of the the you know the verbatim[s] and the discussions that we've had, you know, following up the study is that universally, I think you know most of our the folks that we, we meet we meet with our customers, um, you know, other experts that we see in the field are, are genuinely interested. They want to. Um, have more inclusive environments. But I think the last, kind of the last mile on that journey is just in, increasing the definition and the scope of that inclusivity training um, and awareness. So they just know how to how to think about it and how to think about um, structuring work in their organizations and how to more effectively engage and kind of build that environment. But there's no shortage of enthusiasm, right? I think everybody is is really on board and they want to do the right thing you know i think the final piece of that is really kind of building up that that awareness and the ability for for organizations to do that more effectively um which is what we're really excited to do and we're excited to partner with special olympics on that
2: trish if i can uh jump in to add to what mark has said then um i'm actually going to ask if we can just take that clip and use it for our promotion of our (laughs) new programming because it's it's a perfect summary right we we spent 20 years Uh, developing the skills and capabilities of Special Olympics athletes to take on leadership roles. We call it an athlete leadership program. And we even had to look at ourselves, never mind others, and say, well, why aren't we seeing more of these athlete leaders, you know, in the kinds of roles that we've always envisaged for them? And you hit the nail on the head. The issue wasn't the athlete leaders. The issue was people like me and, and many others, people without disabilities who just were realizing how low our expectations were or the kinds of things we were doing, simple things like, you know, uh, having board minutes done in 11 point font, right? And 10 pages long when maybe somebody takes things in much easier graphically or in verbal form. And I don't think that's just to do with people with intellectual disabilities. I think what we've seen in the world is the infographic, right? The rise of the infographic is a response to the fact that all of us actually say, "Look, can you just give me the, the give me the high points here, and and I'm good with that." So I think um, we're certainly seeing that 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 there's a growing realization now that it is about people without disabilities. Let's call it the dominant group or the majority group, and the kinds of training and experiences that you. You have them go through that allow them to have those broader expectations and those different expectations than they might have had in the past. So we actually have got a name for it. We we call it our unified leadership approach. Uh, you you referred to it at the beginning, Steve, uh, and it is exactly that. It's a it's an experiential training program. So it's delivered by people with intellectual disabilities along with uh, others, that. uh, and that's the idea: is that you sort of gradually blow people's mind to say, you know what, I have the issue here, but I can do something about it and here's what I'm going to do about it. So that's what we've started. And Skillsoft has been a fantastic part of helping us think that through and work it through to the point where we now kind of have it available as something we can work with others to do.
0: Really interesting, Dennis. So I understand, and I'm hearing that correctly. So this would be a program that you'd make available to people in other organizations to help them better understand the folks with intellectual disabilities and their challenges to help their workplaces become more inclusive. Am I reading that right?
2: Yeah, I mean, to be straight up about it, it's it's pretty intensive, um, meaning labor intensive and, and intellectually intensive. So we tend what we're doing to start with is this is very fresh for us. So to start with this year, what we want to do is work with our partners, whether they be kind of existing partners we've had for a long time, like Bank of America, who've always supported our athlete leadership work, or with newer partners who, who come along who, who, you know, DEI is very hot now, right? So they might say, you know what, this is a need, this is something we need to do. And, you know, that's something we can talk to them about to become a partner and to have this be part of the partnership. So I suppose, to be honest, it's not something we're sort of, throwing to the winds, and saying, hey, everybody, here's the solution, because it's it's not that simple. It does take a bit of uh, collaborative work to get it right, but yes, in, in the medium to long term, that's the aim, is that we will have helped our, our partners and organizations to understand not only how to include people with ID better, but to actually include any of the groups that are marginalized that they may interact
1: with. I, I really am excited to share. It's funny you said, you know, talk about infographics. I have yours, like, pulled up on my phone as we're speaking. Um, I, I think what I find interesting also about the work that you all are partnering on is that even as you're sharing this out with the world, right, you're you're doing it in all the different ways, right? You're giving infographics, you're giving reports and studies, you're you're doing interviews, you're having their videos posted. So are you finding that there is a good response to kind of this multimedia approach to education for you know all of us really? On how we can do a better job at at communicating with people with intellectual, um, you know, challenges that they might have.
3: Yeah, I, I think absolutely. From what we've observed, you know, the the report certainly got a lot of great uh, traction, you know, in the market, a lot of great a lot of great followership. Um, and I think to the you know the point that Dennis made, I think, you know, people like to see things more visual and there's just, it makes things simpler to read. So, so I think the fact that you can have multiple formats to accommodate people's unique kind of learning preferences, the styles, the way in which they consume information just makes good design sense. Um, and certainly, right. you know, as part of a broader mission to make sure that we're, we're democratizing learning and making things universally accessible. I think the market has been very receptive to, receptive to that, to having things that range in the form of infographics, to, to podcasts, obviously, audiobooks, um, you know, digital books, and, and other kind of visual form, I think, are, are in media, I think, are really, really compelling for folks.
2: Yeah, and Steve, you mentioned earlier about the, um, you had, you did a, a podcast on autism, and, you know, mm-hmm. some of the, the situations that can arise there, and I think that's a perfect example as well, Trish, is, you know, often people with autism, you know, they may have different needs like what Mark was talking about and may not enjoy the in-person kind of interaction and you know it's often said I'm sure it came up unfortunately I didn't hear that episode but you know I'm sure it came up that facing into an in-person interview where you're asked questions and you have to respond on the fly that's daunting for any one of us never mind someone who might struggle with that in their day-to-day life in which case You know, I came across a great example in the UK, actually, where a company there said, you know what, this isn't working. We're not getting the kind of people with intellectual differences that we'd like to get. So let's go to them. And that's exactly what they did. They turned it on its head and they said they went out to uh, local disability services and said, right, we'll come to you. We'll meet people in a situation they're comfortable in and we'll start to understand the skills and strengths that they bring to the table. And from that, we'll then look at the roles where we need people to come in and, do, and take on jobs. And they, and they did it that way, rather than saying, here's the ad, come in and do an interview, in which case, none of those people would have got past the front door.
1: Dennis, I'm so glad that you mentioned an example of that, because I was going to ask you if, you know. I think one of the things I've talked to HR leaders over the years that we struggle with, or any leaders really, is that you feel like asking someone what they need might offend them can you maybe either one of you but but maybe start with Dennis can you give us some examples or just how to make ourselves a little more comfortable in in that it is okay to ask someone what needs they have and that's again that's across any sort of uh DEI initiative right any group we really need to be asking where i think can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit
2: sure I'll, I'll do my best i'm learning every single day on this but uh i look i i think we often say that the secret to communication with a person with intellectual disability is to talk to them like a person. Right. So there is, there is no, like you don't have to necessarily slow down or use simpler words. You may need to do that. It depends. Right. You just, it's getting, it's just like you get to know any of your friends or your family or your work colleagues. You pretty much go through that same process. And so therefore I wouldn't say it's like a special question. You only ask people you know, that you feel are from a marginalized group. It's a question you'd ask anyone. I'm sure Mark can elaborate on this to no end, which is just as you try to understand someone's learning preferences, you're understanding their preferences full stop in every aspect of their work environment. Probably the big thing I'd stress is it's not about the hiring. If I could leave everyone with a, a provocative thought is that's one piece of the picture. The picture actually starts, I believe, before that, which is, like I mentioned, that company in the UK. What are you doing in terms of outreach and skill building in the community? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, partnering with the likes of Special Olympics to provide skills training so that when someone gets to the front door, let's say if we use that analogy, they're already in a better place to have a chance of answering those questions or succeeding in a role. So if we look at the pre-hiring piece, I think that's really important. And then the post-hiring piece, which I know Mark has a lot of expertise in, is, is really crucial. Back to what you said, Trish, what are you changing in the environment that someone comes into? Because if you don't change that, then the chances are that person's going to feel like a fish out of water. It's not going to work. And you're going to end up with tokenism and the opposite kind of situations that you were trying to create in the first place. So really seeing it as that entire spectrum of activity rather than just, there tends to be a lot of focus on the hiring and I think we need to get away from that.
3: And I think that's really well, well stated. And I think the other thing I would just add, um, you know, it's interesting that a lot of the base, uh, in the base kind of dynamics and issues at play really are things that impact an organization at, at, at the very highest level. You know, do you have a culture of inclusivity? Do you, have you built emotional intelligence and empathy in your organization? Um, you know, do you ask the right questions? Do you think do you, do you build an inclusive mindset? Do you have a learning culture, like all those basic foundational things would ultimately allow you and enable an organization to build a culture of inclusion for those with intellectual disabilities. Um, but certainly you have to have that foundation with which you can then build upon so that you can you can think about things a little bit differently. And I think that's probably the common thread in, in all of this. You know organizations that generally have built learning cultures, that have built cultures of inclusivity, this is a very natural thing for them to do to kind of progress to, to think about uh, those with intellectual disabilities. Those that, that, that take more of kind of a mechanical approach to, to development um, and don't really embrace inclusivity or em- embrace kind of uh, a culture of learning. It's going to be a little bit more challenging, right? And because they have to kind of build that that kind of under, under, underlying strength to begin with, that underlying capability. But once they do that, they can see it pay back in a lot of different ways, and this is just one aspect of that.
0: Yeah, and I, I would add to that, Mark and, and Dennis, that even if the organization's not quite there yet, or you don't think they're there, at least one of the underlying data points uh, that that you found from the survey was that people want this and they're they're ready for it and they embrace it, right? That's that 89% stat that people want their organization to be inclusive to folks with uh, intellectual disabilities. So the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of people want their organizations to embrace this. And so that's kind of the very first step to say like, hey, the people throughout the organization are supportive of this that's a good uh i don't know kick kick in the pants say to to if you're a leader or an hr leader like trish was talking about or any business leader who really feels like they want to push on this a little bit guys this has been super interesting and really really fun like trish and i said a couple times these are our favorite shows to do these kinds of shows right to talk about things that don't get talked about perhaps enough Uh, perhaps we'll leave with this and i'll throw this maybe to dennis first and, and then mark dennis any last kind of uh how do you folks maybe learn more about this get involved in some of the programs you've discussed where do they go uh maybe give them a little bit of direction to learn more about what some of the the great programs that you guys at special olympics are doing
2: sure yeah so i'll take that in two parts if i may steve uh great great summation but the first point i suppose is uh, and it kind of goes back to your point as well, Trish, is the opportunity is there to co-create, right? No, no one has to know all the answers going into this. So I'd really emphasize to everyone that they can have a high comfort level just starting on this journey because, you know, people with intellectual disabilities and indeed any other marginalized groups will work with you to find, you know, to create that inclusive uh, uh, culture that, that Mark spoke about. Uh, and often it's, it's, I heard someone use the phrase last week, brilliant basics. It's doing really simple things, really simple changes. Like I said, look at, look at the way communications happen. Look at the amount of time people get to prepare for meetings. You know, Look at things that, that are not hard to change. This does not have to cost a lot of time or effort. Um, in relation to finding out more about what we're doing uh, with Skillsoft, but also just uh, in our own right, uh, we have a, a website, www.specialolympics.org. And if you go there, we have a leadership page. It's, it's one of the sections on our website. And you can pretty much get in touch with us there. There's a, you can click a link and get through to us there if you want to find out more. be more than happy to share about that skills building piece that I mentioned, the athlete leadership piece. Uh, And also then the unified leadership approach, how we then work on the the mindsets and behaviors of leaders without disabilities, so that uh, hopefully between those two things coming together, we create a truly inclusive environment. Great, Dennis, thank you so much.
0: Mark, first off, kudos to you and the Skillsoft team for being a big part of this. I think that's pretty awesome, quite frankly, but... Yeah, maybe anything you'd like to share? Uh, how to find some of the resources we've talked about, and just kind of other other things for our audience to think about it when we they think about this topic.
3: Yeah, absolutely, you know, it truly is our honor and our an our uh, and and a privilege to work with the Special Olympics on on something that's such a critical topic, and being able to build the continue to redefine and extend the definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, you know, and really and really help promote. Um, and, and help people work with those with intellectual disabilities I think is a is a very noble and honorable um, mission so we're, we're thrilled to be able to help that and in that in any way that we can um, for those that want to learn more about you know the report the infographic again feel free to go to skillsoft.com you can get more resources there um, relative to the study that was conducted and again stay tuned for Um, A real exciting set of new leadership videos that we're going to bring into the market that will be publicly available on YouTube at the Skillsoft channel. Um, And we're happy and look forward to sharing that and hopefully an upcoming uh, podcast.
0: That's awesome. Great stuff. Uh, Dennis Doolin, Mark uh, from Special Olympics, Mark Honest from Skillsoft. Uh, It's been our pleasure having you guys on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Great stuff. Trish, good stuff. My favorite show already of 2021, I think. Uh,
1: I would agree. I, I think these are always so much more meaningful than just talking about technology, right? Because that's important, but We love technology you really talk about,
0: too, though, Trash. People need do, to get paid. No, but, Come on.
1: <laughs> I know, but when you, I don't know, I think this is the reason why I was in HR for so many years. And when you talk to other leaders, it's it's about bringing people into your organization, feeling comfortable, feeling heard, feeling understood, um, and this is one of those shows that just helps you do that uh, even more if you're, if you're struggling or having just a little uh, need for some fresh perspective. So thank you both so much for coming on the show.
0: From Ireland, from the frozen tundra of Western New York. It's been a great, <laughs> great show. Totally. I just want to thank our guests one more time, Dennis Doolin, Mark Honest, Fort Trish McFarland. My name is Steve Bose. Remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour show wherever you get your podcasts. Find all the podcasts, all the media, all the media, all of it, hrhappyhour.net. That <laughs> site's blowing up. But uh, thanks so much for listening. And, and thanks again for uh, being a part of the HR Happy Hour show. So that's it. We will see you next time. And bye for now.